All right, so last week um, we're sitting there and our children are taking Taekwondo, both of them now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the master says, does any parents want to get up here and, and do these exercises with them? They were in the, uh, the training portion where they were doing uh, planks and they were doing sit-ups and leg lifts. And, and so I looked around and I'm like, you know, he's looking right at me. I'm going to do it. So I get up there. And I take my shoes off, and next thing you know, I'm right by Ella in Phoenix, and I'm doing leg lifts, and I'm doing planks, and and he worked us out. But here's the thing. As he was calling for more parents, what was interesting, Angelique, is the kids were like, come on, Mom, come on, Dad. You know, they almost every kid in there was yelling at their parent to come out there and do it with them. And immediately I realized um, we got to show them by example, and they crave that. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian, says – Train up a child in the way he or she should go, but be sure you go that way yourself. My friends, today we're going to talk about sacrifice. We're going to talk about discipline. We're going to talk about rules. We're going to talk about love. Most importantly, we're going to talk about saving the world for this next generation. This is the Turned On Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori, and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life, in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. I know I talked about sacrifice. I hope you're still there. I know when you begin <laughs> when you begin a podcast with saying, we're going to talk about sacrifice, sometimes that's like, nah, you know, I'm good with that. I'll just catch the next one where you talk about getting things and, and uh, favor. Right, Ange? Well, I mean, I would hope our listeners are accustomed to that at that point, at this point in time, because we do talk about most things that others don't. I would well, think. Look, think. the minute you become a parent, if you're not a parent, this is still for you because if you're going to become one, this is even more important. The minute you become a parent, things change. Things change, and you can tell somebody for the entire nine months leading up to the pregnancy. You could tell them the day before. You could even tell that 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 man or that woman in the birthing process at nine centimeters. <laughs> when that baby comes out in an instant, it changes and sacrifice becomes super important. Now, Ange, let me ask you a question: Are our girls watching you? Yes, they certainly are. Um, are you asking me specifically about work? Well, in general, what we're I mean, yeah. Look, what we're going to do is we're going to give you an outline right here. We're going to tell you what we think from a really humble perspective, not knowing all the answers. Because we don't. But I'm going to give you some really clear things to let you know exactly where we are and exactly where I feel like a lot of you, the listening audience are, no matter what age your children are or if you're planning on having them soon. And here's the beautiful part is I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to say this is what we do. This is what you should do. I'm going to tell you exactly 
the one thing that you can do where you cannot go wrong, okay? So, Ange, when we're talking about our girls watching us or you're talking about raising children, on a set of priorities, because you have priorities to take care of your health, you have priorities to to bring in wealth, we have priorities certainly to have fun and relax, but with the children, tell me about your priorities, how, how that affects you on a daily basis. Um, number one is that they know Jesus. That's number one. Um, that they understand they, they understand what it means to build faith, and they are who he says they are. Um, and I think a lot of parents are feeling that right now, just because of the bizarre identity shifts that are going on in our society. Um, so, making sure that they're completely in tune with that. Um, the other thing is disciplined. I want them to have discipline, structure understand responsibility and stewardship um, and to be free thinking in the sense that they're critical thinking and that they are using their, their gifts and their talents and um, the ability to lean into the things that interest them, that they're good at, uh, that they have a, a knack for, if you will. Um, so, so that they start to kind of, you know, if you, if you look at it like a quiver, it's, uh, you know, it's not where I'm shooting their arrow. It's it's like I'm guiding their bend. You know, I, I can guide their bend, and I I just think that that's a more um, biblical way of looking okay. at it versus, versus like a worldview. Well, you, you know, what you mentioned is that the number one priority is for your children to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you don't know by now, we're a faith based podcast here, so mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Jesus a little bit. Do you know who employee Jesus is? <laughs> Have you ever heard the term employee Jesus? I have from Pastor Driscoll. Pastor Mark Driscoll. So I'm going to tell you a little story, and this is great because he has five children, and he tells this story one night, and I it was the beginning of a sermon entitled, The Jesus You Want May Not Be the Jesus You Need, which I think is a wonderful title for a sermon for those people that it doesn't scare away. And you're like, yeah, that probably is me. And he started off telling a story about his kids. He has five children. And I loved it because we identified with it right away. He said one night his wife Grace and him were getting ready to go to bed and one of the kids says I'm thirsty. I mean, if you're a parent, you know what happens, right? Every time. And so he walks in the room, the kid goes, "I'm thirsty." And he says the kid goes, "I need Dr. Pepper." <laughs> and he says, "No, you want Dr. Pepper. You're thirsty. What you need is water." And he starts to identify that and I think we can all relate to this whether we're the child or we're the adult is there's always what we want, and then there's what we need, mm-hmm. okay? And sometimes they're two different things, and that's where he comes into talking about this, this concept of employee Jesus. He speaks about, you tell him what you, what you want, and, and he just does it. In other words, like an employee. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have someone who works for you, like, hey, I need you to do this, this, and this. I'm like, all right, by the end of the day, I'll have that done. And when you think about it, it's like, genius, employee Jesus, I get it, okay? And he says... If you look back at the stories about Jesus, what did he do? Well, he was at the wedding and he turned water into wine. He was uh, the little kid comes up to him and he takes he takes one fish and turns it into you know hundreds of fish. And then he was known for healing the sick. And I love that part because those are the stories that everybody loves. And Mark has a very good way. Pastor Mark Driscoll has a very good way of giving stories like that, and then saying, you know, it's perfect because it is love, and that's where Jesus comes from. 
but there's another side. And I love this. I'm going to play this part, and you tell me what you think. I'm in for the free wine, the free bread, and the free health care. Everybody signs up for that. He's very popular. I mean, right now, this would still be very popular, right? If I told you right now, I'm opening a Costco without checkout lines. Everything is free. All the wine and bread and health care you could have will all be yours, you would say? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we were hoping for. So they, they love him making wine. They love him making meals and they love him providing health care. That's the Jesus they want. They want him to meet their physical needs, not their spiritual needs, minister to their body, not to their soul, fix their life, not talk about their eternal life. That's how most people are. They're very practical and they think that what they perceive to be their needs are actually their deepest needs. And Jesus says, actually, that's just what you want. That's very different than what you need. So what they need. Okay, so that was amazing. He, people mostly want Jesus to meet their physical needs, he says, but they don't want him to cater to their spiritual needs or their soul. Um, and you can find that at realfaith.com. That's realfaith.com. Um, that's a a segment from Pastor Mark Driscoll at realfaith.com. And Angelique, why I say this is because we do need all of those things. We need we need to have the Jesus that feeds us. We need to have the Jesus that heals us. But there's also the part where we have to be, um, the word I'm looking for, we have to be responsible to live the life he calls us to do, especially as a parent. And so when we look at the world right now, babe, how much do we stress about the world we live in? And be honest, I know I stress more than you, but you're not immune to it. What does an average day look like? Because I think everybody out there needs to know. We could be, you know, just purring along, having a great day, and then something comes, and we're like, wow, that reminds us of where the world is. What kind of stress are we under? Um, I think we're under a tremendous amount of stress because there's so much uncertainty and uh, mis- and disinformation and malinformation. I mean, there's just, we just don't know where anything's coming from. Um, and uh, as a result, it makes us, you know, hyper aware and hyper reactive. Um, and as a mother, hyper intuitive. So the reason I say that is, like you said, I don't, I don't stress at the level that, that you do to the point where like I, I could talk about it endlessly. <laughs> It's just sort of a passion of yours. For me, I I take it and I internalize it and I say, where does like where's the autonomous zone somewhere somewhere in the middle to balance this out? Because the Bible tells us not to worry, um, but at the same time, we have to be uh, wise and prepared. So I take what the world is is throwing at us and say to myself, okay. Biblically, where are we? Where where could you know? Uh, where could we potentially be on the time frame and timeline? And how do I prepare my house? Like I think about Noah. Like Noah warned people, but he was also building a frigging ark in the middle of it. Like he he was preparing for the the imminent you know yeah destruction that only he knew. When he told everyone else, and they th- they thought it was nuts. You know what I mean? So. There are things that we can do as parents that help right. prepare our family so, and our children. At the same time, Noah's praying. He's eating, right? He's he's praying to God. Yeah. We can assume he's praying to God and saying, you know, can you can you help me have a good day tomorrow building this thing? Can you help me be strong? 
Um, can you give me some blessings? Can you give me some good food? Just like we do. But then the responsibility part and the sacrifice part comes, but it's going to be hard. You're going to have to do some things that are tough. You're going to have to discipline yourself, you know, and I go back to the pastor Mark and what he said, and you think to yourself, okay, you know, if we open our hearts and say, Jesus, you know, I'm fighting with my wife because I'm selfish. Um, I'm doing some other things, you know, for my business. And while it has to be done, you know, it's taking away from my children and the family time, you know, cause I want to make, you know, I want to make 50,000 more than I did last year, or I want to, I want to get this award this year that I didn't get last year. So look, you know, we're all about that stuff, but wh- at what point do we say, okay, the Jesus that I want, the one that gives me all the good things that I pray for, but the Jesus I need where I have to come to him and surrender. And that is where we talk about the victory. Okay. Cause we can sit here all day. Like Angelique says, I can tell you everything that's wrong with the world. We can all look around and say, who's to blame? Sometimes I blame the school. Sometimes I blame the government. And I have good friends that remind me, hey, you know what? It starts in the home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. But it's, it's a combination of all those three. But I think the last one is, was where I was corrected the most. It starts in the home. Mm-hmm. And anybody can have a child. And I think there's a lot of people out there who realize now we're not, we're not going to get many more chances in terms of getting this right. You know, everyone talks about the next election or voting somebody out or, hey, if we can just get rid of this one person or we get a couple more senators here. No, we're just going to be disappointed babe, all the time. But here's what they don't understand. No, you got a whole generation of kids growing up without God, without morals, without yeah, ethics. So no what compass. is that going to lead to? There's You're going to no have compass. a new generation of representatives and senators that are going to be just as morally corrupt as the ones now, if not more, because yeah. these ones now claim to know God. Well, and if they claim to know God and they're this morally corrupt, what do you think the generation growing up without God is going to be like? Better? So I just feel the responsibility to um, not hide things from my children because I think there's a fine balance because our our children are okay. So we homeschool and we could easily shelter them from um, everything that's going on in the world as a result of that uh, and keep them in a bubble, but we talk pretty openly sometimes too much about what's going on in the world. We just got in a massive argument about that. Yes, we did. Because I was too open and too direct and Angelique wanted us to shelter him a little bit. Well, protect their, so I here's, get it. here's the thing. Like you got to, you, you got to run 10. it through a sieve. She's yeah. 10 and seven. So yeah. part of me wants to say, Hey, it's not going to be an easy world that you're coming into. I would love to protect you and let you do all those things that we did and not, but, the government is forcing kids and the school system is forcing kids to learn about this stuff early, even if our kids aren't in public schools. It comes through the TV. It comes through their friends. There's a difference between awareness and immersion, though. You don't want to make them immersed in the stress of the world, but you want to make them aware of it. Good point. So if when it comes to my children and the information that we know, we could immerse ourselves in it. And what's it going to do? What has it done to you when you did? What has it done to me when I did? You sink down in utter fear. It's a trembling. Um, it, it, it robs you of joy. It robs you of the ability to think straight. Um, you're stressed, your body can't, and then all of a sudden you're out of creation. You're out of, um, any form of joy or organization whatsoever, because you're constantly in this immersion of the stress that you have exposed yourself to. So does that, you know, does that put us in a position or a disadvantage? Like, like you say, like if something, if something drastic could happen, I, I don't think so. Like, I think that you have to 
no one prepares you. What if what if things were great and all of a sudden an asteroid hits? No one's <laughs> you weren't prepared for that. Like there's no training for these things. You can have an awareness of it. So our kids need to be aware of things and biblically we we hope and pray to show them what God says about each of those things and then allow for them to also grow up with good character, grow up with um with skill sets, with being prepared with for things, educating them, uh, you know, giving them certain things to do on a daily basis for stewardship and responsibility, but immersing them in the stress or ourselves is not solving anything. So my goal is to going back to the divine order, which is on our website for free. You can download that, but it, you know, we talk about like how important our environment is. The environment is not only your thoughts, because we're called to hold every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, but it's also the environment that we live in. And um, if your environment is chaotic, you're going to feel it in chaos. If your environment has organization, if you feel at peace and you wake up, you know, like for lack of a better term, like excited in it every day, it's going to help you become uh, more organized and desire to do the things that produce fruit. God calls us to be about our work. He calls us to, you know, um, steward our talents and invest in our talents. These are the things that I want my children to have. And if we have a generation of, if we have a generation right now, if there's parents right now that are listening to this, and parents right now rising to the occasion and saying, you know what, I'm not going to co-parent anymore with society. This is what I want for my children. I'm I'm aware of what's going on. I'm awake to it all, and I'll make my children aware of it. And here's the things that we're going to do to raise up this next generation for strong little men and women. Yeah. Not, not you know. It's going to take an extraordinary effort, though. It's not going to take the same effort that our parents or their grandparents did. When I say, look, there's always been spiritual battles. When I say this might be the biggest one, I'm not speaking just from my own point of view. I'm speaking from a student of history. Okay, this is a big spiritual battle, and if we look at the Bible, which I've said in the pursuit many, many times, if you look at the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, if you look at the prophets, there's always a common theme. They're always warning the people, you're going astray. The big one is you're worshiping false idols, right? We see that now. A false idol in their day was literally like a golden calf. A false idol in our day is Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. A false idol in our day um, is any one of these influencers that is not following God, Mm -hmm. okay? And what we see is it's over and over again. It's the same message. Jeremiah said, will you steal, murder, commit adultery, and perjury? Will you burn incense to Baal and follow other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in my house, which bears my name, and say, we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things. That's Let's put it in perspective for what's going on now. Will you steal? A lot of that going on. Even if you think, well, I haven't stolen anything, we're talking about distrust, corporate distrust. We're talking about pulling one over on a corporate level. You know, we're not talking about, uh, we're talking about white collar crime, right? Mm -hmm. It happens a lot. Will you murder? Maybe you haven't murdered, but there's a thing going on right now. It's called Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. Okay. We can look at that. Will you commit adultery? I just saw a commercial yesterday for Kayak, the, the, travel company. the travel company, where there's a couple sitting in a hot tub, and they're like, thank God we finally got here after our marriage or our divorce, and she's with another guy. I mean, we're, we're mocking divorce and, and adultery, basically. Edifying it. In our, edifying it, yeah. 
and then um, you know pray to other gods. And in in that case, it was Baal. But you know how many other gods are we praying to now? The universe, mm-hmm. Mother Nature, gods other than the one true God. And you're going to stand there in my house. And what happens is, guys, this is cyclical. You know, I said the other day, the Bible isn't just his, represent history. It tells you about history and how history is going to repeat itself. And what happens over and over again is times get really good. People get really comfortable. And what happens? Hey, we're safe. Things are good. Economy's good. We're, we're relatively safe. We're in air conditioned. We have a lot of time, free time to pursue our, our interests. And then eh, maybe we don't need God as much, right? And then things get shaky, and God sits there, and he said, I sent my prophets, I sent my people to warn you and give you the message, and you've ignored it. So let's take a look at what your world looks like without me mm-hmm. and see how that goes, and how does it go? Not, well. Not good. So let's give you some things to really build on, because I know Angelique's big. She's looking at me right now, and she's like, okay, you can talk forever about what's going wrong, but tell us about what's going right. Give them the juice, Dave. Give them the juice. Steve. Give them the juice. Let's get the juice. You ready? We need a little how-to. Let's get the juice. Okay, go ahead. Take your drink. Remember what I said. I said I was going to make it really simple and easy. I was not going to sit here and tell you that we have it figured out. You know, even when people will make a, a remark on social media, you know, I look at Angela and go, what are we supposed to say this? It, our family's not perfect. Our family, we have a lot of arguments uh, a lot of yelling sometimes, disciplining. It's We're just like any other family. And so if I'm going to give you things, it's not because we have it figured out. This is a universal template, which I believe God gave us, and you'll see once I tell you. And the first is very simple. Get closer to God. I mean, it, it couldn't get any easier than that. And And what I mean by that is it should be your intention. So what is your how on that one? Like... I'll give it to you in a second. Let me lay this out, and then I'll give it to you in a second. The second one is to have an amazing marriage because what we are looking for is biblical marriage. And the order, I think you like divine order, right, Ange? That's important to you, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, the divine order is important. It doesn't always, look, there's exceptions to the rule, you know? We know people who had a child first and then got married, and they're perfectly happy, and they're followers of Jesus. Because there's grace. Yeah, there's grace, but... Your intention should be, again, the intention should be to have an amazing marriage, okay? And that's what I'm saying, the intention to be closer to God, the intention to have an amazing marriage, and then the intention to be a more cognizant, alert, and um, involved parent should be there, and that is where the sacrifice comes in, okay? And here's what I see a lot is people, that gets overwhelming. I don't know the right answers, and I tell them, well, you won't get them always, you know. You don't always get the solution right away. You don't always say, hey, you know what? I'm having a really hard time with my marriage or I'm having a really hard time with this child and go to God and get immediate solution. So well, there's the my question to you then because this we'll just have an open discussion here. Get closer to God, have an amazing marriage, and get more involved with your kids. Okay, Captain Obvious, like what what – does that mean to someone that's listening that really desires that? Like what does getting closer to God meaning mean for someone that's like hasn't talked to God in years? Or maybe maybe they're already close to God. 
What does that mean? Well, that look, look at like? the story about Jeremiah. Look at the story. I about- want to have an amazing marriage, but, but my husband's not on board, or my husband's not a believer. Like, yeah, I'm just going through the thought process. I'm always in the head of my our listeners. I know you are, and I am too. And I'm thinking to myself, if anyone opens the Bible, they're going to look at that at Jeremiah and go, "I don't even know who Baal is," and I'm not murdering anybody. How am I supposed to relate to this right. book? Um, what you have to realize is that these are stories. Times change, but the characteristics of the character and the nature of the stories are all timeless. Right, because it's a spiritual world. It's a spiritual world. And what I'm, my whole thing is be more into it. In other words, how many times do you open the Bible and you're like, I just don't understand it? Or how many times do you try and get something and you're like, it's not working? But by being more into it, let's look at it as your body. How many times, if you were going to the gym 10 times in a month, how many of those would be awesome workouts? Like, oh, it's the best workout ever. I got exactly what I needed. I was amazing. I had an amazing pump, and I just could lift a lot of weights and do great things. Three. Three. The other times you leave and you're like, I don't even know if I got a workout. Like, I don't even know if I did anything worthwhile. You know, I broke a sweat, but I don't feel fantastic. It's the same thing with your spiritual body. The more you're in the gym physically, the better you're going to be. Even if some of them aren't great, even if you walk out of that gym going, I don't know if I got a great workout, you moved your body. Being in the Word, being with God, sometimes you're going to open that Bible 10 times and you're going to get three messages that just were like, boom, that's exactly what I needed. The other seven times you might be, I don't know, but you're in the Word. In baseball, that's a Hall of Famer. In baseball, (laughs) that's a Hall of Famer. The more you seek, whether you know it or not, whether you know it or not, the more you seek, you will find. The more you seek, the more you will get. It, it's the word of God is it's like osmosis, but you, just by being around it and in it, it seeps into you. It does, and so that's where intention comes, and that's why I told people at the beginning of this podcast, I'm going to give you just a general rule that's really easy: just get more into it. If you're not a great parent right now, if you feel a disconnect from your kid, be around them more. Mm-hmm. You might have some really awkward moments. Especially if you have a teenager, it might be like, wow, that's weird. I don't know how to identify with them. There's nothing, we don't like the same types of music. They dress differently. Um, I want to be more strict. They want to be more, you know, rebellious. But you're around them more. Proximity and time have a great deal to do with success in anything. That's why you study. That's why you get better. That's why if you want to speak Spanish, go to a Spanish country. I guarantee you. You'll be immersed in Spanish, and you'll be speaking it. If you want to know the Word of God and how to have a godlier life, immerse yourself in the Word of God. It'll seep into you. But I think there's an importance to having a shepherd and someone that really, like a good theologian. Absolutely. Because especially for those just starting out, I mean, if you just say, hey, pick up the Bible, it's going to be, it's it's not easy. It's not. It's it's just not easy to get into um your faith walk by trying to read the the Bible chronologically because it's really not laid out that way. So you need someone to shepherd you in it. And, um, you know, not a, I'm just using this as an example, like Jesus calling isn't going to do it, you know, like, like a devotional. Um, that doesn't mean that it doesn't, it's not a helpful or an adjunct and it picks a little scripture for you, but it's, it's not the immersion of getting, you know, drawing really closer. And again, that's not a knock. It's just saying like, if you want to draw closer, that's not the way to do it uh, because that's, it's too repetitive in the sense that you're losing context. Um, it ta- oftentimes you'll take 
like anyone else, and religions do this all the time, they'll take a scripture and they'll elevate it above the entire word of God when they don't understand where that's the, the context of that scripture. David, you just finished writing a whole book on Jeremiah 29, <laughs> you know, about plans to prosper you. But the context was, yeah, in 70 years, you know. The so, context was to be be happy where you are, yes. knowing knowing that there's victory. Yes. You know, if if we can be immersed in God, then all those things we just talked about worrying about, and I'm still not there. Like, I, I still have to remind myself, but we, we don't live for this world. But we can be happy in this world. Just like you said, we shouldn't tell our kids about these things. Yeah, but we can't be naive about them. There is a balance to life. And when we look at some of the great shepherds, we look at Billy Graham, right? When you talk about someone who, I mean, he spoke to millions and millions of people. From a young age, he was super talented, so much so that he asked other pastors to be his associate pastor. And people were like, yeah, I'll carry your bags. Like, literally, that's one of the ones they said. You know, imagine if you're a really strong pastor Mm -hmm. and you got a huge following, and another pastor who's younger than you comes up and says, I want you to be on my team. And you got to be like, I'm going to be second fiddle. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be an associate pastor when I have my own following. And Billy Graham was so powerful that these men said, yeah, because they saw the leadership. And, and I love, I love them. And I bring them up in that segue here because he says, children respect discipline. Yeah. Do you think children today are more disciplined than they were when we were growing up? No. Okay. No. Were, were, were we as disciplined as our parents were probably? No. No. So each generation we're losing it. And he says, the nature of children is that they desire to be guided. It gives them a sense of belonging. It gives them a sense of security. Think about that. Think about the hands-off parenting approach that's happened. Oh, well, you know, um, don't correct Johnny. If he got a, if he got a C, I'm going to go up there and talk to him. He should have probably got an A. Everybody needs a trophy. This goes back to that old, that same argument. He says kids need a sense of security. They need a sense of belonging. But more importantly, they need discipline and they need rules. Mm-hmm. God gave us our children so we could prepare them to be adults, not prepare them for an eternal life of being an adolescent. And how do we do that? We give them rules, and then we follow up accountability with those rules, Okay. Graham says one of the worst things we can do is to allow our children to grow up thinking they don't need to keep any rules because a spoiled child becomes what, Inch? A spoiled adult. Okay? And and if we're not preparing them, how are they going to lead? That's what worries me because we're going to be there. We're going to be – my parents now are being ruled by a generation, although there, there should be term limits. There's still a lot of people my parents' age that have been there for 40 or 50 years. But here's what we need to think about is what are some common things, and we'll, we'll wrap it up here in the last 10 minutes. Uh, what are some common things that we can talk about for our children that we can start implementing today as parents that aren't like rigid and say you have to do this, this, and this my way? Just bigger concepts. And as I was researching, I found a guy um, – I'm thinking Brendan, B-R-Y-N-D-O-N, Loritz. He's a pastor at Harvest Bible Church, uh, Harvest Bible Chapel, and a little place called Nashville, Tennessee that, Angelique, you might be familiar with Nashville. Good old Nashville preacher. I'm sorry if I got the the name wrong, but as I was looking for material for this, I came across um, one of these sermons that he did about children, and it says, we're living in a world where they want you to stand a certain way. 
Yeah. Think about you got to conform. This is what we say. This is what the status quo is, and you have to conform to that. So children are being taught conformity, which is very dangerous. And he repeats, he says, you're not what culture says you are. You're who God says you are. Ange, think about that. What does that mean to you? Well, I said it at the beginning of this podcast. There's a huge identity crisis right now, and um, and I'm not just talking about gender identity. I'm just talking about identity in general. You know, in general, people just don't know who they are anymore. They don't know what they're here for. They don't know their purpose. They don't know what they should be doing. They're they're all many people are in a pivot since the pandemic. Um, so, with with kids, we have an opportunity to help them find that, you know, based off of what God has created them for. Um, that's what we should be affirmed in is in the word of God over their life. And, um, but culture, unfortunately would love to have a say in it. And that's, that just throws free will out the window. You know, you start putting all these ideas in people's heads and, uh, that's the, that's the problem. Like, well, with, I think what, it's no different than social media. Like if I have an, an intention, over what my message is for the day, and I dump on social media, how fast will that go out the window? What would Tina Soino say about culture influencing her daughter, Angelique? Oh, God. I mean, what wouldn't she say? She just she would have a lot to say about it. Your mom, your mom was uh, a mother, and we're getting ready to honor her because she passed away. Um, how many years? Seven, uh, seven years ago seven, this no, month. Six. Six years Eight. ago this month. Six years ago. And, and she was one of those, she took a, a big time interest in your life and making sure she was there because this next point that Pastor Lawrence made was you are who you are because somebody invested in your life. Yeah. Talk about an investment that your mom made. Talk about a sacrifice. I mean, we brought this up several times in the podcast because our parents sacrificed for us. That Parents out there today, I think it's like, well, I'm going to have kids so I can take pictures. I mean, look, I'm being facetious. Don't take it personally. We do this too. But, you know, young people, oh, parenting is fun, and my kids will dress them up, and, you know, we'll take, you know, pictures of them and put them all over Facebook, and they don't realize that parenting is waking up in the middle of the night with your kids who are vomiting um, sick or – it's it's correcting them. It's being there. It's it's taking them to practice, sitting there, which we're about to do for another three hours tonight while um, they go to their sport endeavor. So there is a huge investment that we parents must make. We must sacrifice, and we must put them first. Even Even those of you that are having a rocky marriage right now and there's kids involved, my advice is figure it out with God in the middle. You know, I know it's not easy, but you got to figure it out because kids are better with both parents in the house. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it can't work. Doesn't mean there aren't exceptions. I'm the exception. You are. But every time <laughs> we say that, I feel like I got to say an asterisk because there's going to be somebody out there going, well, my parents were divorced and I turned out fine. Yeah. But again, the question goes back to if you had the, if you had the ability to keep your mom and dad together, it should be a easy, yeah, of course. Like Angelique, if you had your mom and dad together and they had God in their life, and totally Lou said, said yeah, "I'm totally going to read the Bible with you, Tina. We're going to work this through." Do you think you'd been better? Oh, for sure. I mean, there would be a lot less things that I've had. I would have had to work through over time. Or um, my my mom certainly would have had to worry and sacrifice less, you know. And my dad wouldn't have been gallivanting, you know. I mean, there's just there's so many. 
so many things. So we can't say um, that it wouldn't have been, quote unquote, better or more favorable. Um, but what we do is we take with what we're, you know, what we're given and we make something of it. And um, that's where God's grace came in for me, you know, but my mom, my mom sacrificed tremendously. You know, I've talked about it before on here, you know, she worked several jobs and made sure that she was home with me when I got home from school so that I wasn't shipped off to daycare or some kind of after school program or, or with somebody else. Like she wanted me on her watch. Um, you know, she never, she never, uh, got involved with the relationship after her divorce. And, um, people used to question her all the time, you know, like, well, why not? Why don't you do this? She's like, because I don't need another person influencing my daughter right now. I don't need to be spending my time. Like my number one priority is raising my daughter. My number one priority is making sure I know who she's with and what she's doing. Now, was she helicopter parent at sometimes? Yes, but it, I turned out just fine. Like, you know, there it's the whole point was, is that she sacrificed. Now looking back, um, and I did a podcast on this not too long ago. There were times when I'm like, mom, why didn't you ever do this, this or this with your dreams and your talents, you know? And it's because she couldn't, she couldn't. And there was a point in my life when I was Cause I'm very, I'm wired very much like an entrepreneur and, um, a dreamer and an, you know, an idea machine like my dad. And, um, it's very easy for me to get caught up in the idea that if we're not in some, you know, power move that it's a waste of time. And I thought about that at one point with, you know, just seeing other moms just kind of be stay at homes and things like that. That's the best investment in the world right now you can make for, for your children now, I'm not suggesting that if you are a stay-at-home that you don't do anything or pursue anything else because I, there's huge purpose behind behind what you do besides that. And uh, and I think that that's one of my passions is helping, you know, women create in those times of their life, yeah. you know. But well, even, even my mom never had that chance. And even I would say a big suggestion here is when you search for extracurricular activities for your kids, and I'm going to be bold, I, I, you know, I don't want to stop. I don't want to just be like afraid to step on people's toes. I mean, again, you're listening to a faith-based podcast, so I'm going to be bold. When you're looking for extracurricular activities for your kids, look for one with a good coach or a good mentor who knows God. Yeah. I mean, our our, our master at the at the karate camp, at the Taekwondo camp, he says every day at the end, he lines them up, he goes, did you tell your parents you love them today? Did you tell your siblings you love them today? Did you make your bed? You know, and if you don't, you have to sit down. At the end, there's always one or two kids that have been through the been through the whole ringer. Yes, I told my sister that I loved her. Yes, I told my parents that I loved them. And so these kids getting a habit of doing that, but it's reinforced in their extracurricular activities. Now, there's a lot of coaches out there in places and extracurricular activities and sports where you know that's for other people. It's for other people who don't care about that stuff. Yeah. But if if you're trying to raise good kids and you have a Christian family, then you better make sure that the person you're taking them to, the other adult influence is influencing them. Yeah. It's a reinforcement. Yes. Yeah. Don't sit there and have the rules in your house and God in your life and then drop your kids off with somebody three or four times a week who doesn't. And here's the thing, you're going to parents, there's going to be a point in time even with our kids now, like we become white noise. You know, white noise. We will say things repeatedly. There's times that it happens with David and I. We will say something to each other over and over and over and over again, and then one friend of ours 
will say it and they're like, oh my God, what a novel idea. And I'm like, I've been telling you that for 10 years and you're just now getting it. So when you have mentorship, it has to be a reinforcement of what you're already trying to do at home because having someone else that they respect and that they look up to say it um, is only going to make matters better uh, for that outcome. And I believe in that. I'm just going to start getting bolder on this podcast and those people who aren't prepared for it, I'm sorry, but you know, um, what did you say? I didn't even hear you say. Because if you're a Christian and you, you can't just say I'm dropping off my kids um, to play sports for a person that has no God in their life, or I don't know who what what they're influencing, what kind yeah. of culture they're influencing them yeah. with, because those people are making an impact on your children. Yeah. You know, take some inventory, know what's going on. I'll finish it up here and I'll try and just uh, summarize these last three points because they're such good points and we don't have time to get to them all. But um, this pastor says, you know, your children should know that you love them unconditionally. Not just, oh yeah, my dad loves me, but we should be telling our children that all the time, often. Our children should know, they know that I love mommy and they know that mommy loves me. Why? Because we say it in front of them. Mm -hmm. Sure, we argue in front of them, and we try and be better at. We try to do better at that. You know, they know we're not perfect, but we we even explain after an argument. Mommy, and dad got an argument. You know, who was wrong or why we did it, or sometimes we get frustrated too. But we tell them at the end of the day, mommy loves daddy, and daddy loves mommy. Well, you're making it like we argue all the time, right? We don't. Well, I'm trying to be relatable. I'm trying we, to we just are, be like, you know, I, we're we, normal we argue. couple. I mean, we argue, we discuss. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have disagreements, but we're not like sitting around having. No, what the, I'm not even worried about that. Knock down, drag him out. Um, he says, <laughs> we need to let the Holy Spirit develop a Christ-like character in us. We know the Holy Spirit needs to be let in. He is the intercessor. You know, we need to have him in. And most importantly, I think this is the best thing he said. He said, if we are sitting on the gifts that God has given us, we're sitting in sin. That's right. If we are sitting on the gifts that God has given us, especially parenting gifts, then we're sitting in sin. We have to use the things that he has given us. If not, that is a sin. You have to. Mm -hmm. So get in touch with who you are, what your priorities are. We have to do this all the time. We get distracted all the time. Even yesterday, you know, yesterday we were tired. We were out all day, and the car was full of stuff, and I was... I was exhausted. I was sweating because it was 105 degrees. And I did not want to take the kids for yogurt. I mean, that's just a little thing. But Angelique looks at me and goes, you know what? They've been with us doing the stuff that we needed to do all day, the errands that we needed to do. You know, it's a small sacrifice. And I mean, something as simple as that, you know, not to spoil them, but just to reward them. Mm -hmm. You know, our kids love yogurt. You know, <laughs> if they if they do something exceptional, the other day at karate, um, they just were, they listened, they gave their effort. It didn't mean they won every fight. It didn't mean they were the best in the class, but I watched them intensely and they see me watching them. And they know when you're at their sporting events, if you're on your phone or you're watching them. Mm -hmm. And they did such a good job because they gave it their all out effort. As soon as they got into the car, I'm like, we're going to the, I mean, you're just going to pile on as much, <laughs> as many toppings on that yogurt as you want, because, you know, not to reward them every time. Sometimes you got to turn in a great performance and not expect anything, but this was just above and beyond. So, you know, I just want to love on these children. I want to love on my wife. But more importantly, you know, I want to be a servant in the eyes of God. I want to know that God would approve of me, that if I met my maker today, that he would say, you know, you're a good and faithful servant. Well, I was reading something the other day about what, because it says they'll come in a twinkle. 
right? He comes, he'll come back in a twinkle. And I think, a tw- I think, and if I'm misquoting, I'm sorry, but a twinkle, I believe, is one three thousandth, one and three thousandths of a blink. <laughs> I just, just imagine how fast that is. We can't because our minds just can't fathom it. We're human, we're flesh, and we're flawed. Um, and we're certainly not God. But my point, the reason I say that is, are we, are, we, are, we, are we doing what we're supposed to do? Are we ready? Are we doing what's right for our, by our kids? Are we doing what's right for the world? Um, going back to Noah, he was warning, but he was also building an ark. Like it wasn't just, he wasn't just flying off the handle with his mouth um, and in lunacy, you know? And this happens, and look, we got into this the other day about social media in our own house. Like, we we want to help and inform people, but at the same time, those things disappear in 24 hours, you know? The internet, you know, social media, we're, we're kind of like preaching to the choir there. I don't know if anyone's minds is getting changed on there that much. Now, we do know that we can be influenced by it, but the point I'm trying to say to you is are we doing what we said we were going to do? Are we stewarding the way that God has asked of us? Have we considered that? Do we uh, instill that in our children? Are we holding each other to that standard of accountability? Because one, one, one three thousandths of a a twinkle. So I just, I want to be ready, you know? That doesn't mean that we're constantly... Um, like we're perfect or we're doing you know, things flawlessly. It just means like, are we batting, are we batting 300? 300? Are we, are we batting 300? Are we batting at a hall of famers average? More importantly, are we, are we taking swings? Are we just sitting right. there waiting for a walk? Exactly. I want to be taking swings. I want to be so at least, at least taste your, at least take your swings. And, and by, for those of you that don't watch baseball, Batting 300 is like three hits out of 10 at-bats. You know, it's like David said, it's three workouts out of your 10 workouts that felt amazing. It's it's three, you know, podcasts that we've done that really hit home and the other seven really stunk. You know what I mean? Whatever it might be, are we doing what we, we said we were going to do and is that making progress? All we know is there's only one way to stay turned on and that's to keep flipping the switch.